course, was Art Blartus's super hit from 1964, Bigger Man Than Me. Welcome back to K777, The Jazz Time, with Stuart Randall. I am Stuart Randall. I'm joined today by a very important spon sponsor of our network, Morton Jordanson, the spokesperson for Big Pills. Morton, it's wonderful to have you in the studio. Well, it's wonderful for me to be here, honestly. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to your radio station, and I always find, I find uh, you, your voice very soothing. I've always found it very soothing when I've had a, a high blood pressure or whatever else <laughs> calm me down. Well, I can definitely appreciate that. Now, Mort, I understand you've brought an ad today. We're going to go ahead and play that. This is our company sponsor, Big Pills. Unleash your inner big with Big Pills. And here we go. Are you taxing every day? Are you absolutely scared? Are they driving in your life? Are you terrified? <laughs> oh, you got your big pill. Listen, I've had big pills. I've been on big pills. My name is Morton Jordanson. I'm the spokesperson for big pills. I've been taking big pills. I've been taking big pills for a solid six months. So let me tell you right now, I'm bigger than I've ever been. I'm bigger than I've ever been. And I'm gonna add, I've eaten their car. I've eaten their car and I'm a lion. I'm a lion. I am sniffling at, at the cage that they've put me in. That the damn liberals have put me in. They put me in a cage and I am sniffling at it. And I've ripped the arm off. My wife, she left me. Guess why? Because of big pills. And guess what I've upgraded? I got a girl. I got the smartest girl in the world. She is the 2022 Bonneville High School County Cheerleader of the Year. You think that I can't pull? You think that I can't pull? No, big pills got this way, big bells got me this way. You wanna be like a bull? You wanna be like a You wanna be like a tiger? You join me. You join me. And you take your big bells. And I'm gonna tell you what. We're gonna get back to jazz here pretty soon. But we're big bells. Take it, take it, take it. I can suck myself off now. Listen. Big bells, a Neiman Marcus property. <laughs> well, thank you, Mort. I appreciate you bringing that in. And uh, that's a very interesting ad, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good one. Uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we have fun in our studios, but it's, uh, it's very important for me to represent the company well. You know, I want to make sure that everybody knows that it's about being a man, it's about being strong, and it's about really being true to who you are. I mean, that's what big bills have done for me. That's what big mm. bills will do for anybody. Yes. Yes, I, uh, I actually haven't started taking my big pills yet. You did bring in a sample for us, so I'm happy to take that home with me. Now, Morton, uh, if you were to look back across the years and say you wanted to talk uh, about a jazz musician that really stood out to you, that maybe personified this masculinity that you seem to be the most interested in, who would you say? Would it be like a, a Lou Hughes? Would you be more interested in like the the vocal stylings or the 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 musical rumblings of a of a of a limit of a limit mm. like who would you think well you know honestly uh i think that uh you asked an interesting question there Stuart. uh limit actually was very important to me growing up you know my father my father would would go out on the town and and, and bring back all sorts of jazz records to us kids and and we would sit by the the stenograph and we would listen and 
and uh, I, I think Lemmy Kui, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. really stood out to me. But also mm-hmm. uh, Bongo Trung. Bongo Trung was really, really oh, big for me as, as a Bongo. child. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, if his album, Waiting in the Rain, uh, it really inspired me. And and uh, I think it, it kind of molded me. The, the, not just that album, but music like that. It it kind of offered a freedom of expression that I believe is limited in today's uh, mental landscape. You know, uh, you're uh, you, you're kind of battened down by a whole lot of different ideas that restrict you, and uh, through big pills and through uh, my life, my lifestyle changes thanks to big pills. I think that I've been able to fully accept what those artists in the '50s, '60s, '70s were really trying to represent. Do you know what I'm saying? Of course, uh, Morton, I think I do. What you're saying, if I'm understanding you correctly, is you've allowed yourself a freedom of, uh, of lifestyle that maybe was restricted to you before, that this unbridled masculinity that you believe has been suppressed for so long is, uh, um, is finally being able to come out and, and, you're, and you're being able to show yourself, your true self, your true, your true big, your true, your big masculine self, like for example, like uh, folks for lis- listening at home and in the studio, Morton has exposed himself to me early in this interview during the ad copy. Actually, um, he really showed me who he was. He exposed himself, literally, uh, actually exposed himself in the studio. Uh, well, and I, well, you're not listening. I, we're all men here, right? We're just showing each other like i'm showing you i expected during the ad copy and whatever else you would show me but then i'm kind of left hanging out here as you can see i am still hanging out yes i do see that you're still hanging out Mm. um Mm. i guess well i haven't taken my big pills in a while but here you are let's see here wow you Mm. buddy i think you have been taking them i think you have been taking them you know (laughs) You don't have to see, say just leave it out. No, just leave it out. Oh, no, okay. see, this is real men. This is how we're supposed to be. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what, uh, you know, do you have mm. any music that you could play yet? Can we get back to yeah, music? Let's get I mean, these can we turn these mics off and get back to, to yeah, some jazz absolutely. music, do you think? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, we're mm. going to cut back. You know what? Let's listen to some yeah. some Bongo sure, Trung, uh, the very bit. man that inspired there we go. him to be the way. Mm-hmm. He is his big mm-hmm. self, and uh, my big self over there. Big we'll boy. come back. This is seven, the seven, seven. I'm there. Stuart. Yeah. Whatever, and we're I'm gonna, gonna show you who I really get am. Over here. You big get fucker. On the, get on the ground. Oh. Oh. And I've been, and he's been raiding around, Ooh. all about town. He's about, he's about town. town. I'm Bongo Trump. He's Bongo. And I'm bringing you. He's bringing us a jazz. He's bringing us a jazz. Hit my wife with what? Hit her with a knife. Ooh. Knocked her block off. Knocked it off. Took my socks off. He took them off. Went down to the river. All the way down. Ate some jazz. Eat that jazz. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Biohogs Weekly Recap. I'm your host, Will Kirkpatrick.
Thank you, K77, the Jazz Network, and Stuart Randall for that intro. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just a little, you know, a little shout out to our sponsor, Big Pills. Get on the pills, the biggest pills there are. And uh, and a good a good couple of clips from Stuart. I think Stuart is uh, an underrated host in today's you know modern uh, the the modern radio landscape is a little bit dead, and so I think that uh, it's good to appreciate what we have. And um, you know Stuart, he's one of the he's one of the the good old fellas that uh, you can always you can always get a good um, have a good time with. You know, it's, it's like you're hanging out with with a close friend when you're uh, listening to Stuart Randall. Been a couple of weeks uh, since I recorded an episode. I want to apologize for that. I'm going to try to get back on a weekly schedule so that you guys can have your listening pleasure and everybody can be um, highlighted the way they deserve. I apologize for that. Been a pretty busy semester so far. Been a lot of writing. I actually just got a pre-print, a pre-print approved, which is really, really nice. Um, I don't know where I put my power rankings. Let's see here. A little behind the scenes here. I have a file that should be right here, but for some reason it is not. There it is. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to run over the week uh, seven power rankings just here in the intro, just because I did not do those last week. We're going to run down from the top down. That's uh, it. Not much changed actually from week six to week seven. Um, actually, did anything change at all? No. It looks like everything was the exact same. That's pretty funny. Um, so it went: <clears throat> Craig, Weston, Charles, Jeremy, Eric, James, Will, Peter, Harry, Andrew, Michael, and Tim. Uh, that's of course not updated for the uh, all, the the stuff involving the week seven matchups that will come later on in our power ranking setup. I just wanted to run through that real quick. I might post a graphic, might not, might just skip uh, last week since it actually worked out to be the exact same. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's been a pretty good couple of weeks in the league. I think that uh, it's been kind of exciting. It's, it's funny. If you look at the standings right now, the majority of us are hovering around 500. So in the division, Charles sucks. Charles is, of course, winning that division at 6-1. and one. He's got a really, really good team. He's got like a 93% chance to make the playoffs, according to ESPN. Uh, but then everybody else, all the way down the line, is within two games of one another. So the Werewolves of London are in second place. That's Craig. He's 4-3. and three. Also 4-3, and three, uh, Jeremy. Also 4-3, and three, James. Or not James, uh, Peter. And then James is actually three and four. And then Tim is down there, got to win. He's two and five. So we are right in this area where a, a lot of people are in the same, uh, in, within the same boat. And it's similar over in the Will Blows division. Actually, the winner of that division currently at five and two is Eric. But then right behind him are Weston and me at four and three. Harry at three and four, right below us. And then Andrew and, uh, is two and five. And Michael, unfortunately, is one and six. But uh, it just shows that we have uh, – there's a lot of parity in the league this year. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, I've been making fun of Tim all year, but honestly, Tim's got a really good projection this week, and he's within two of second pl- – within two games of second place. So uh, a little swing here and there, a midseason swing, could bring Tim right back into the playoff race. Uh, and, and listen, like, Michael, you go on a run – you go on a run. Last year, I won like six games in a row, right? I started off one and six. I ended up seven and seven, even though I ended up going into the loser's bracket. You still have a chance to hit that 500 mark that, you know, you definitely could. Uh, let's uh, let's get more into this with our power rankings. Power rankings. 
Biohogs Power Rankings. Sitting at the top of our list, uh, as he has been for the last couple of weeks, is Craig. Now, Craig did lose this last week. Uh, stored 110 points. Not great, but uh, he's stored so many points at, at this point in the season. I think it's going to be hard to knock him off that pedestal unless... I think what's going to have to happen is some people are going to have to catch up to him, right? So, like, it's more of like a, uh, yes, he lost this last week. But as I mentioned before, the parity in the league is so much so that, like, there's a bunch of people in the middle. Craig has scored so many points that it knocks him a step above, and he still has that scoring potential each and every week. I think it's going to be difficult to pass Craig from him coming down, it's going to be a lot. It's going to you're going to have to store a bunch of points to catch up to him. Uh, like I've said before, this power ranking system takes into account your weekly points stored, the maximum amount of points that you've stored, the minimum amount of points that you've stored, and rewards you for the maximum, uh, hurts you for the minimum, and then takes into account your average as well. Um, and the majority of the points come from your record. So if most of us have a tied record, or at least a similar enough record, then if you've scored a ridiculous amount of points like Craig has for the majority of the year so far, it's going to be hard to knock you off the top of that because you still have that points potential every week. Sorry, Nebu's in here and he's shaking, and uh, so you might hear a uh, leash click or something every now and then. But moving down the list, we have Charles. So Charles actually passes up Weston. Weston losing a game this week. So we have Charles at two, Weston at three. Charles is having a, a he's having a good year as anybody's ever had in this league. I think. I mean, six and one, very hard to beat that. Stored over the league average this last week. Um, actually, our league average. I meant to say this uh, in the breaker. League average has actually dropped a little bit. We're about one twenty. Uh, 0.46 where you uh, last year we were at 121.48 uh, that's you know within within normality of one another I don't think that that is too crazy of a difference but regardless we're oh good he's scratching his collar I'm just I'm not gonna edit that out I, I had to start over this clip several times because he kept going crazy but we're gonna we're just gonna keep keep rolling with it Anyway, so, you know, you get to hear my beautiful dog. Uh, but I think what's happened over the last couple of weeks is there was a class above the rest, right? So when I looked at these numbers with the, the power ranking numbers, there was like a top three that very clearly defined themselves. And now that top three is kind of meshing into the rest. While Craig is still a few points above Charles, the rest of us are kind of all within a pretty within pretty close striking distance of one another save for a couple down at the bottom but uh i i think that gives us like i think that gives us all a little bit of hope right like i mean and it gives us all a little bit of hope uh so we have craig charles weston and then we have eric who is right within striking distance of of weston eric has scored a decent amount of points he won this last week. I believe he's been hog like two of the last three weeks or even, uh, yeah, yeah, two of the last three weeks, even though he did have a stinker. He had a dud in there in the middle. He's really had uh, a hell of a go at it recently, and that puts him in the four spot. At five, we have Jeremy, again, right within striking distance. 
Uh, there is a bit of a drop drop off between five and six. Jeremy, he's had um, a decent couple of weeks. Um, didn't score a ton this last week, but ended up knocking off Weston, which if you can beat Weston in this league, that's pretty damn good. I don't care who you are, even if he has a down week, uh, beating Weston is a rarity. Um, and so uh, Jeremy, with with a really nice week, came down to Monday Night Football, and, uh, and the 49ers defense ended up disappointing Weston there, knocking him below Jeremy. Uh, six, we have me, actually. This is, I believe, my first time in the top six since, like, week one, maybe? Let's see. No, I wasn't. I was I was ninth. Uh, I was in ninth week one. So, yeah, this is my first time in the top six uh, in the regular season, and uh, I'm just happy to be here. Let me say that. Had a decent week, stored a little bit above league average. Alvin Kamara leading the way for me. Really nice week. Had like 12 catches or something. That I don't know if that's repeatable necessarily. But I digress. You know, I, I'm still de- ha- decently happy with my roster. I do think I have this thing uh, over the last few years where I just have like the most average-ass teams ever. And it's pretty well reflected in my record. I think I'm one above 500 all time or like two above 500 all time. So like I just get guys that are just like they do just enough to get me over the hump barely for the season because I went like what like eight and six the first year I went six and eight the second year I went seven and seven last year and right now I'm sitting at four and three so it's just very much like I draft a pretty average team if, and I trade for some players that can win me some games and some players that can lose me some games um, but it keeps me in the mix and I'm happy with where I'm sitting right now. Um, so like I said, there was a bit of a drop off between Jeremy and myself. I believe that's to do with points stored largely because Jeremy and I have the same record. So Jeremy, a little bit more earnings potential every week. Um, but then, you know, I, am right there below him. And, uh, then we have Peter in seventh place. Uh, what I said about Peter, uh, I think it was two weeks ago where I was like, his schedule's favorable. That's actually not true at all. Um, now this last week he did have he did play Michael who didn't store very many points but Peter stored a decent amount of points he stored 130 like I've said in on this podcast before if you can store 130 I think he was the second highest store this week yeah he was if you can store 133 you can probably win your game in this league I mean it's a 12 team league there's not going to be that many people every given week storing 130 unless we have one of those weird weeks where you have like multiples in the 140s and 150s. Uh, but I digress. Pete's had a good year. Uh, like we are almost neck and neck in these power rankings, so it's really just kind of a toss up who was going to be six or seven. Um, but it just turned out that that the number was higher on my end. Then we have James. James is a little step below Peter, but uh, again, these guys are all really close together. I think this last week, uh, his performance, which did earn him nearly a pee pee poo poo head, not quite a pee pee poo poo head, but nearly. Thanks, Dante Foreman. Um, did uh, did did hurt his did hurt his power ranking store a little bit, but I still believe he's got a decent roster that that can get it done. Uh, then we have ninth. We have Harry. Harry and James are about on the same uh, level. Harry uh, is our PB poo head this week. Little spoiler alert. But he's three and four, and he still has a, a decent team. He's just got to figure out some stuff at wide receiver. Even though Jackson Smith and Jigba had a great week this last week, scored sixteen points. And I think he has some earnings potential on that end. Tua, not a great week. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The Dolphins The Dolphins just seem to be, they, they it's like they can whoop the hell 
out of a bad team. Um, but as soon as they get to like a mediocre team or like a decent team with a decent defense, it seems like they don't really have that spark that they do against the Denver Broncos of the world or the Carolina Panthers of the world. Just bad, bad teams. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Two is hard. I mean, I, would I like to have two on my team? Absolutely. It would give me a more consistent quarterback every week. Um, but uh, but it's going to be weird to watch these Dolphins, especially now that they've lost a couple of their playmakers um, and uh, they're a little banged up on defense. So we'll see how they do. I don't know who they have this coming week. Uh, oh, they play the Chiefs, I think, in Germany. So that is going to be – if they can beat the Chiefs in Germany, then I will be like, oh, okay, they're fine, you know, whatever else. But beating the Chiefs, I mean, that's a that's a bit of a tall order. The Chiefs have a great defense, and uh, they have some guy named Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Right below Harry, we have Andrew at 10th. Andrew again, like tenth is like tenth is well within striking distance of eighth. This is not like a, you know, oh I'm in the double digits or whatever. It's just like yeah, I mean, it's kind of you know the 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 points scored and the records are kind of sorting themselves out at this point. Where if you're two and five, it's going to be hard for you to pass up a three and four team. It is. It's going to be almost impossible unless you store a shit ton of points and losses to to like move up uh, past those spots. I mean. It's not impossible. Uh, you're just going to have to score a lot of points and uh, and still lose, which happens, definitely. Um, at 11, this is where we have a bit of a drop-off. Unfortunately, we do have a couple of teams here who have not won very many games and have not scored very many points. But uh, actually, our 1-6 team is an 11th. That's Michael. Michael not having the greatest year yet. He does have a couple of standouts in Isaiah Pacheco and uh, Puka Nakua. Geno's storing like kind of league average quarterback stuff right now. Uh, you just going to have to have somebody step up and stand out in order to get out of the slump that you're in. But like I said, last year it can be done. Uh, it happened to me and it's happened to others in the past. Going on a little winning streak could definitely, I mean, could, you know, you could save your season. I mean, everybody is within striking distance of one another. And speaking of, Someone who scored just above league average last week. We have Tim in 12th. Uh, right now he's in 12th just because he hasn't scored very many points this year. But Patrick Mahomes woke up. Jameer Gibbs got a lot of work. Michael Pittman scored some points. He had like a 75-yard touchdown uh, at one point in the game this last week. Now, is that repeatable? I don't know. I mean, Michael Pittman's a very athletic guy. I don't know that he's the fastest guy in the world. So he's going to have to break through somebody, I believe, to get that production again. But these two guys, you know, you guys are down here at the at the bottom, 11th and 12th of the lead. But definitely with a win this week, Tim over me, knocking me down a peg, uh, back to 500, and you getting up to three and five. Or Michael, let's see, who do you play this week? I haven't looked at the upcoming schedule. I've only looked at uh, the previous schedule. Like if if Michael, if you could knock off credit, I mean, you're projected to store 131 points. That's pretty damn good. Um, Craig just projected to store almost 140, but that's to be expected. Uh, Craig has a really, really good team. Uh, then, uh, you know, if you knocked him off, knocked him down to 500 and you jumped up to two and six, I could definitely see you starting a, a little run here. So nobody is out of it yet. Uh, nobody's been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet. Nobody has secured their spot in the playoffs yet. Everything is still wide open and we're seven games into the year, right? We're going into week eight. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go into the PP Poo Head of the Week, and uh, and we can talk a little bit more about some of the close matchups that we had. 
And now, the pee-pee-poo-poo head of the week. Okay, so we had... Yes. <clears throat> Harry. The pee-pee-poo-poo head from this last week. Um, And you scored 87.34 points, which is not great. It's not great against Charles. Uh, for the longest part of Sunday, I thought you guys had a great matchup going. I kept checking back in. We were all hanging out. I was like, oh, wow, these guys are doing pretty good. Madison, I don't know if he has the juice. Gabe, Dave, I mean, the, the, the Bills could not get going for the longest time in that game. But the majority of the wide receiver points went to Stephon Diggs, as they usually do. Gabe got left out. I mean, Kyle Pitts is okay. He's getting targets finally. Brown's defense is good, but I mean, Brett Mayer missed three kicks. Uh, then he got cut. So, it, I don't know. Tua just didn't have a great... Uh, it, it just didn't work out. But that's not... You know, yes, Harry's a pee-pee-poo-poo head. Okay? But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about James. So, Harry scored 87.34. James scored 87.7. This came with a whopping negative 1.8 points from his quarterback, Mr. QB31, Deshaun Watson. Now, when Deshaun has played, he has not looked great, but he has scored some fantasy points, right? He's had 45 yards rushing, 22 yards rushing, 16 yards rushing, Decent floor, decent rushing floor. He's getting averaging about five carries a full game that he plays. His passing doesn't look great. He passed well on Tennessee, but then again, who hasn't passed well on Tennessee besides like Joe Burrow a couple weeks ago? And other than that, he's thrown two picks, lost a couple of fumbles, uh, three picks, lost a couple of fumbles, and he only has four touchdowns on the year. He's not good. Um, he hasn't been good since he was at Houston. Like, five years ago, four years ago. That could be five. I don't remember. And this last week, he gets into the game. He completes one pass for five yards, throws an interception, and on that interception gets injured with a mystery injury. I don't... Okay, Listen, we're in a difficult league, right? Uh, it's 12-man. Um, we, luckily, we are not uh, super flex, so that would be way harder. But, um, and I understand Jared Goff also did not have a great game against Baltimore's defense, okay? But I don't understand not playing Jared Goff over Deshaun Watson after what we've seen from both of them. Jared Goff is the seventh-rated quarterback. He does not have rushing volume. I understand that. But he's consistently thrown for over 300 yards. He's consistently thrown one or more touchdowns every week. And he'll score you, most of the time, 20 points. Right? He's averaging 21.7 points. It's not bad. Even after his sinker last week where he scored 9.36. But that's about a 10-point swing, 11-point swing, from the Deshaun Watson start. I don't understand starting Deshaun Watson in fantasy football in 2023. I just don't get it. He has not been good since he was at Houston. 
He has not shown a single thing that is positive since he was at Houston. And when he was in Houston, he was great. I mean, great. I mean, top five quarterback. Every week, a threat. Every play, a threat to rush for 60 yards and a touchdown. But ever since he got his little PPE out and started showing it to massage people without consent and started getting charged with sexual assault and then gets traded to the Browns and the Browns give him $270 million guaranteed or whatever, not 270, but whatever, so that they can ship their first overall pick quarterback who has been decent since he left. Baker Mayfield's had a way way more successful time at playing quarterback in the NFL since he has been gotten rid of than Deshaun Watson. Now you could say, Will, he sucked in Carolina. Uh, you know, he only had that couple of good games with the Rams, and now he's playing okay, not good in uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, but he's been better than Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying he's been good. I'm saying he's been better than Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, I'm shitting on uh, James a little bit, and I shouldn't be shitting on James, really, because he did get screwed by the Bijan uh, non-reporting of an illness because he would have benched Bijan. Now, who would he have replaced him with? Probably uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, who's on his bench and who only got 5.6. It would not have changed the outcome of his game because Eric was the hog and scored 150 points, and he would have only scored like 93 points. But but if he had started Jaleel McLaughlin and Jared Goff, he would have scored like 100 points or whatever, and I probably wouldn't be shitting on him this hard. But I'm not really trying to shit on you, James. I'm trying to shit on Deshaun Watson. He's just been bad. And yeah, he's missed games this year, but at what point are we going to expect that he can be on the field consistently at all? Ever again. He's got demons falling. One of my favorite memes on Twitter right now is there's this guy that I follow who like is always like, uh, every time Deshaun throws a pick or loses a fumble, they say that he's being distracted by the demon with a golden crown that's following him around. And it's like, <clears throat> yeah, he kind of is. You know what? Because he sold his... He, he didn't sell his soul. The Browns sold their soul. Okay? The Browns said to a quarterback they took first overall pick and broke the rookie touchdown record for them. I think, I don't know if he broke it for the, I don't think he broke it for the league. I don't know. He threw like 35 touchdowns his first year. Had Baker did not have the great, uh, you know, a wonderful next couple of years, but he still showed that he was Baker. Baker's always going to be like that, right? He was Kind of like that in college. I mean, he was really, 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 really good in college. It's hard to be bad when you have those guys that he had at Oklahoma. But Baker has continued to show that he has a strong arm. He's he's decently accurate. And he was standing behind a stalwart offensive line with decent wide receivers and a good running game with a decent play-calling head coach. He could probably be a really good quarterback in the league. Guess what? That's what Cleveland has. And then they have this shell of a human being in Deshaun Watson who just sucks. He's not good. I don't know what to, what else to say. Now, if he comes out and the rest of the year balls out and he's a top five quarterback, weekly quarterback for the rest of the year, I'll have to eat these words. But he's shown me nothing in the last two years that would make me think that he could ever live up 
to that insane. I don't know if anyone can live up to that insane contract besides like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like that's just wild. But let's see. Let me pull up here his weekly stats from last year after he comes back. So he served his suspension for like what? 12 weeks to 10 weeks or something. I don't remember exactly how long it was. And then he, uh, let's see, Deshaun Watson. Okay. So if we look at his game log, like week one, he was QB five this year or whatever. Okay. He had a couple of top 10 finishes in week 17 and 18 of last year. So he had that really bad game against Houston where he threw a pick, no touchdowns. He had like a top 15, top 14 quarterback week against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's defense was decent last year. Then he went, he he regressed a bit, quarterback 21 in week 15, quarterback 20 in week 16. So every time he's played good defenses, Houston, who was actually a hard matchup for uh, quarterbacks last year, Cincinnati, um, Baltimore, and New Orleans, He went QB 30, QB 14, QB 21, QB 20. Then he played Washington and Pittsburgh, who were easier for quarterbacks last year. And he went QB 8, QB 6. So this year, let's see. He has played Cincinnati, who in week one, uh, I think they had a short field every four seconds. Um, Joe Burrow was playing like shit. He ended up QB 5, but here's his... He ended up QB 5 for the week, okay? He scored 21 fantasy points. So that's not a lot of fantasy points. He was still QB5, but his quarterback was really weird. He had 29 attempts. He completed 16 passes for 154 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Now, he did have uh, about nine yards of carry. He carried the ball five times and had a score. So it was like everybody was like, oh, Deshaun's back, right? He has this rushing floor. But he didn't look good. I watched some of that game. He did not look good. Then he goes up against Pittsburgh, who – It says last year that their defense wasn't great against quarterbacks, but I don't necessarily believe that. He finished QB 27 against Pittsburgh this year, which is not surprising because he's not good. Uh, 40 attempts, 22 completions, 235 yards, a touchdown, a pick, no uh, touchdowns on the ground, QB 27. He had a top 10 QB week next week against Tennessee, but like I said, Almost everybody's had a top 10 QB week against Tennessee besides like Joe Burrow when he was still like uh, hobbled from his calf. So, and then obviously this last week he's QB 30. Sleeper actually has him as QB 33, but ESPN has him as QB 31. So Sleeper has uh, Deshaun ranked um, actually below all 32 starting NFL quarterbacks, probably including Tyson Bajant, who this last week had a decent uh, week for... Uh, Chicago, but I bet ESPN is not rating Tyson above him just because uh, Sleeper takes into account, I believe, weekly scores as well as your total score, and ESPN just goes with your total score. So that's what I would imagine. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. So, uh, James, I'm not trying to admonish you specifically here for starting Deshaun Watson because of some moral, it, whatever. I don't care about that. We He served his suspension in our league last year. What I am trying to say is he has not played good. I don't know why someone would play him, right? Like, yes, he he was technically a top 10 quarterback in week one or top five quarterback in week one, but he scored 21 fantasy points in week one. That's not normally a top five quarterback score. That's usually about a top 15 quarterback score or a top 
13-something quarterback score. So, I I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it, number one. I, he has not looked good uh, with the eye test, and he has not looked great with the, with the numbers. So, I don't get it. I'm not trying to talk to you. Do whatever you want, but I, like, I would start Jared Goff every week over Deshaun. I think Deshaun is terrible, and I think that he will continue to be haunted with the demons of his past for the rest of his life, and he'll never get an analyst job. And then eventually, the Browns will, you know, he'll retire or whatever with the Browns, and uh, he'll fade into the obscurity of shitty players that did shitty things, not comparing what they did, but I mean, like, it'd be like an Albert Hainsworth, right? Where, like, goes to a different team, has a massive contract, sucks, plays like shit, and then what have you heard from Albert Hainsworth the last few years? Exactly. Now, Tennessee volunteer legend Albert Hainsworth, I would like to add. And he was great when he was in the Tennessee Titans. But when you're kind of a shitty person, <clears throat> not comparing what they did, because Albert Hainsworth is just kind of a shitty person in general, uh, he did not sexually assault a bunch of women. Actually, I don't know. He may... Well, uh, yeah. No, uh, allegedly, 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 allegedly. All this is alleged. I'm not going to get into all that. Regardless, uh, Deshaun Watson sucks. He's a bad person. And I think... I don't think he's a worse quarterback than he is a person because uh, he's one of the worst people that we have in sports. Um, I do not admonish a fantasy manager for starting him because you got to get points however you get points. But I do admonish fantasy managers for starting players that I think are bad over players that I think are good. I think Jared Goff is a good quarterback. Do I think that he's going to finish the – a year as a top 10 quarterback? Probably not. I think he'll probably be top 12, 13, 14 maybe. But that's not bad. And in a 12-team league, you can get by with that because most there's going to be a couple teams that have two top 10 quarterbacks, top 12 quarterbacks. Um, if Joe Burrow and – like just an example. If Joe Burrow and Brock Purdy finished uh, QB 12 and QB 11, I would not be super surprised. Now, Joe would have to do a lot of work to make up that ground, and I would love for him to make up that ground. But that's what I'm saying, right? If you started a top 15 quarterback every week, as long as you had a decent roster around him, you could probably win the league. I mean, you could definitely do that uh, in a 12-team league. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's the same thing as, like, this week, Tennessee is projected to start Will Levis. I don't know if I've shared my opinions that much on in this league or uh, definitely not on this podcast. I hate Will Levis. I think Will Levis is a genuinely bad quarterback. Do I think he's a bad person? No, that's ridiculous. He's not a bad person. He's kind of an annoying person. I don't like his personality, but that's just a matter of whatever. He has a great name. Uh, he shares it with someone that I hold very dear myself. But I think he's really bad. He was not good enough to beat out uh, what's-his-face at Penn State, uh, the guy who got drafted to the... Packers. I actually don't know if he's still on the roster. I would imagine he's like their third string or their uh, practice squad guy. Clifford, Sean Clifford. He couldn't beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State, so he transferred to Kentucky. He had like two good games his first year with Kentucky, both of them against shitty, shitty, shitty defenses, one being the Tennessee Volunteers, which, guess what? He threw a pick six at the end of the game to seal the game for Tennessee. So, like, even though 
he theoretically, right, had like a decent game. He had like over 300 yards and multiple passing touchdowns. He also, in the clutch against a really bad defense, threw a pick six because he threw it at our only good corner on a flat for no reason. And our corner just jumped the route because it was an easy route to jump. He made bad decisions because he's not a good quarterback. And then his senior year at Kentucky, everybody was always injured, always injured, always injured. Oh, he's not playing well because he's injured. Guys, he didn't play well the year before. And I didn't think, he, and, and he didn't look that injured whenever he beat up on like Northern Illinois or whatever with Kentucky. But as soon as he played real defenses, he looked like shit. And then he gets drafted in the second round of the Titans. He, they trade up to get this guy. It's, oh, Will Levis going to be a top five pick physically. He's the best, the best, physically the best quarterback in the draft next year. Well, Caleb Williams probably still is. Is like Joe Milton. Guess what? Joe Milton does not deserve to be a top five pick. But Joe Milton's played about as good as Will Levis did, if not better, this year that as Will Levis did for his entire career. I, I, I don't get it. Will Levis is going to start in the NFL and he's going to hold the ball for 45 minutes and get sacked a million times because he's bad. He does not make quick decisions. He does not make good throws. Whenever he does make a decision, it's the wrong one. And he's bad. He's not a good quarterback. The Tennessee Titans are going to lose because of Will Levis. That's what he does. Now, I will. the thing is... There, I am most of the time a data-driven decision-maker when it comes to fantasy football. And a lot of times it bites me in the ass because I don't just... Because I go with the projections. I go, oh, who's projecting more? Blah, 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 blah. I don't just go with like, oh, he scored more last week. Let's go ahead and give it to him this week. Whatever. You know, I, I don't... I. I feel like sometimes the right thing to do in fantasy football is to ride with your vibes, guys. Right? <clears throat> but like, for example, T. Higgins has horrible vibes. He's had a horrible catch rate. He's not playing well this year. I can't stop starting the guy. Because I know what he could be. And I know that theoretically, because of his past production, he should continue to produce. And that might be true. It might end up being true. But it also might end up being completely false. So, could Will Levis have walked into the Tennessee uh, Tennessee Titans uh, facility and Mike Vrabel completely transformed him? Kind of like he helped Tannehill to do. Although Tannehill had all the tools there and was playing decently well in Miami for a while. Then goes to the Titans and has like multiple top 10 quarterback seasons. If not if not top 10, then like top 12 quarterback seasons with the Titans. Sure, I could see transformative things happen, right? Josh Allen happened. But Josh Allen took like three years and a lot of patience to happen, right? And he still has his frustrations. Josh Allen is a great fantasy quarterback. I would love to have him as the quarterback of my uh, my team that I root for in the NFL because he is an exciting player who makes really crazy plays. And, you know, obviously I'm starting Stephon Diggs. Like, I think you can support multiple fantasy-relevant players. But Josh Allen has that thing where he goes off script a little bit and then throws a pick. Guess what? Will Levis sticks to a script, and the script in his head is bad. And I don't think he's very smart. And I think his personality sucks, and I don't like him. And he he makes, like, in order to increase his draft stock, I guess his agent or someone told him that it would be a good idea to be like, oh, you be the kind of quirky, fun, like, oh, I'll put mayo in my coffee or whatever. Like, okay, if you do that, number one, that's weird. I know, and that's the point of it, right? We're talking about it, so whatever. But 
Also, that's not indicative to me of anything about your personality. That's like what a five-year-old does to get attention, right? So, like, when my sister was younger, she'd be like, I dip chocolate chip cookies in ketchup. And, like, I was, and it was like, oh, that's so gross. But then she would, like, tell everybody about this when she's, like, seven years old, right? So, like, it's, like, an understandable, it's like, ah, oh, blah, 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 ha, 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 whatever. But, like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it, it, he's irritating. His personality's bad. He tried to make up some of a personality, but the personality that, like, he and his agent came up with was, like, a boring one. He's not a good quarterback. He's never been a good quarterback. If you can't beat out Sean Clifford when you're this physical god or whatever, sorry. Sean Clifford's not a physical god. Sean Clifford's a, you know, decent average quarterback in college football and probably a practice squad guy in the NFL. If you can't beat him out, why, why do people don't understand like play is the best projector of play right that's why no one should draft joe milton in the first three rounds next year in the nfl draft because though i am a tennessee volunteer fan and i genuinely like joe milton as a person and as a human being and as an advocate for the tennessee volunteers football program i don't think he's that good (laughs) he can throw the ball 80 yards but, like, I don't really care if you can throw the ball 80 yards if you can't throw an accurate slant with a quick read. And, like, Joe can do that every now and then. I think Will Levis can do that every now and then. But can they do it consistently? No, they have not shown that. So why would I believe in them? I just don't think that he's very good. I just don't think he's very good. That's my Will Levis st- segment. I'm sure I'll have more as he continues to start. The thing is, the dude could win a Super Bowl and I still wouldn't like him. Like, regardless of whatever, like he's the reason I'm not a Titans fan anymore. I switched to the Lions. When they dra- when the Titans traded up and drafted him, I said, I will not root for a team that has this man on it. Whenever he gets cut, inevitably, in the next two years, or traded to somebody because someone else is stupid enough to think that he could be a decent backup or a decent quarterback for their football team, then I will reconsider and I will, and I will consider changing my allegiances back to the Titans because I'm a Tennessee boy. Obviously, I love Tennessee. I'm a Traylon Burtz believer still, but I can't But I can't do it. So, uh, Lion, go Lions. Go Lions. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's, let's take it to the hog. Let's call the hog. Calling the hog. Okay, guys, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, because we have two hogs, so these are the two hogs from the last, actually, four weeks, um, it worked out to where, you know, the I couldn't do it uh, two weeks ago. It was Eric in week four and Craig in week five. They have actually gone Eric, Craig, Craig, Eric from weeks four, five, six, and seven. With Eric actually getting a pee-pee-poo-poo head in the middle there. But um, these guys have been uh, been top of the world the last uh, few weeks besides Eric that one week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call them. And because we, like, I feel like when this league started... Right, it was ten of us in mine and Connor's house. We all knew each other pretty well. Um, we have a few guys now that you might not know as well. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask these guys the same set of six questions, okay? And when I ask them the same set of six questions, you're going to be able to see different aspects of their personality, right? So we're essentially comparing Eric to Craig. Should be ringing. Hello. 
Eric. What's up? You are the hog. Not only are you the hog, you've been the hog twice since I've last spoken to you. You've also Indeed been I have. You've also been the pee pee poo poo head once. Yes, that was rough. So so you've gone up and down a few times in the last four weeks, but more up than down. How do you feel in general about your season so far? I I feel good. That when I was the pee pee poo poo head, I think that I got very unlucky. Um yeah. that was just a bad week. I think that was the week David Montgomery got injured. Yes. Um all around it was just rough. But I have to say, I think my team, I think this is the most powerful team that I have had in my four years in the league. So I am just happy with my uh, performance overall. I'm very happy with my team. I do wish I would finally have stability in my running backs. If Aaron yeah. Jones isn't injured, uh, David Montgomery is. Yeah. But, you know, we we did that trade where I gave you Brock Purdy for Tyler Algier, and that has worked out well for the both of us, I believe. But yeah, it has. Uh, I've been able to get a little bit of use out of Brock, and you've gotten some great use out of Tyler Algier. I mean, while he's not necessarily always the lead back, he definitely is enough for a fill-in, right? Yes, and last week, I believe, was uh, when I got very lucky because uh, the Falcons illegally did not uh, oh, yeah. announce Dijon being injured, which almost led to James being the pee pee poo head by like a fraction of a point. Yeah, like half a point. Uh, there's a I got a whole segment in here about that. Um, so I want to do something a little bit different since we have two hogs this week. I'm going to ask you six questions, okay? And I want you to answer okay. these six questions as honestly as you can, all right? As in-depth and as honestly as you can. Does that sound good? Yes, it does. Okay, good deal. Yo, what's up, Craig? Hey, what's up? Okay, so uh, it's it's kind of funny. So we have two hogs today. We got you and Eric going to both be on the show, okay? And um, because I haven't interviewed you guys in the, I haven't done a hog call in the last uh, four weeks. But you and Eric have split the hogs right down the middle. How, do, how how are you feeling about your team overall right now? Oh, I feel great. The week five, week six hog. I'm a three-time hog this year, which uh, slides so didn't feel hard to get a hold of me. I apologize. But. No, no, no. That's okay. It's been uh, – I have also been just, like, completely neglectful. You texted me the other night, and to be completely honest with you, I was a bit stoned, and uh, I just was like, hey, you know what? I'll text Craig. <laughs> I'll text him tomorrow, and then I didn't text you until today, so. No, yeah, no. I mean, my phone's been blowing up since uh, I've been a three-time hog, so. People oh. heard. Yeah. Well, listen, you so, actually hold a bit of an advantage over Eric. Yes, Eric was the hog last week, but Eric, uh, the week before when you were the hog for the second time in a row, was the pee-pee poo-poo head. So do you think that maybe there's a bit of Eric that's a bit fraudulent? Uh, I'm not going to call, call him a fraud, but I mean, pee-pee poo-poo head, week five, week six? Oh, that was week six, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know what that, that's like. So. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, all right, I like it. Um, So what we're going to do here today, doing something a little bit different, I'm going to ask you six questions, okay? And I want okay. you to answer these six questions as truthfully as you can. Is that uh, is that cool with you? Yeah. 
Okay. So, question number one. Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, I like strawberry. You're a strawberry guy. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, pretty plain guy, so. But, I mean, not vanilla. I like strawberry. But strawberry? Okay. Tahitian vanilla. Tahitian vanilla. Could you explain? When I was a child, I went to Key West. And I went to a ice cream shop, and they had Tahitian vanilla, and it was just way better than regular vanilla. It blew my child brain, nice. um, you know. And I, I've looked for it since then, and I have not found it. Can't find it. Damn. Can't okay. find it. Number two, your favorite activity to do on a on a weekend. Um, during the fall, or just in general. Uh, you, you we can do during the fall since it's uh, today's October twenty eighth. Uh, taking a good Steelers game. Okay, nice. Yeah, watching the Steelers. Anything else or just? Uh... Uh, I mean, that's, that's okay. It right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Jerk off like five times. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know. I don't. You know, you I would know, ask for an explanation. I would ask for an explanation. I don't know that that really needs one. That's a, that's, 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 yeah, I mean, I can, I, I think of the 12, the 12 people in this league, we can all uh, relate to that. Number three, your favorite movie. This movie. Dang, not even a heads up. Listen, I'm, hey, this is a, this is a compelling show, okay? Uh, can you come back to it? All right, we can come back to it. Okay. Um. Um. Hmm. Um. Either Nymphomaniac or There Will Be Blood. Okay. Uh, any reason Nymphomaniac? I can understand There Will Be Blood. It's a instant classic. Can you explain Nymphomaniac? Nymphomaniac is the most in-depth and moving character study that I have seen and it really solidified Von Trier's unique uh, style in which his films you know best exemplified by Nymphomaniac and the house that Jack built yep um, love I like love I not, love the house that Jack built you know that I do as well yes it's not just a piece of fiction He's also breaking the fourth wall to a degree and talking to you, the viewer. He's doing a didactic, like a teaching exercise. It's you know, there's so... so many points. Sorry, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. There are just so many points where he tells you things, and normally that would be hacky or annoying, but it really works in his case. Yeah. It really is like a combination of a video essay and a movie. It's it's all so one thing I I find interesting about that point that got me to thinking is like it's almost like he's allowing your the viewer to experience it's like he's allowing the viewer to experience how the viewer would experience what's happening right does that make sense yes. like the plot that he wants to give he is he is allowing the viewer to experience the plot along with it yes we all quote unquote experience plot but he is putting us in the shoes of of the person and it's usually a person you don't want to be right 
Yes. Yeah. And in Nymphomaniac, I mean, no one wants to be that protagonist. No. She's a very interesting protagonist. She is a selfish piece of shit, but at the same time, she's an incredibly sympathetic character who just has been fucked over by every man and woman in her life, you know, until the very end when it happens again. Yeah. Framing framing your film uh, as a you know, allowing yourself to step into the shoe, like just uh, like, it's almost like an empathetic viewing experience is, uh, is, uh, is really good. It's kind of like skin and Anyway, we go to question four. Oh God. We go to question four thoughts on the Israel Palestine situation. Let's <laughs> we'll skip that. Just skip that. Okay. Um, let's I see. Mean, I don't know. <laughs> Five. Uh, you're not, would you say you say you're not, a, you're not an expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I thought you were. My bad, my bad. All right. Uh, oh, God, do you really want me to... <laughs> um, <laughs> stop me if... Uh, stop me whenever you feel like it. Um, okay. This is a slave revolt. The, Palestini- the, pe- the Palestinians in Gaza live, as has been characterized on Twitter, in the world's largest open-air prison. They are trapped. They are not. They have not been allowed to leave Gaza since 2006, when the blockade was placed. They are not allowed to fish more than a couple miles off the shore. They don't have enough drinking water. They don't have enough food. All of the humanitarian efforts that the international community is discussing have been rejected by the United States, namely, and others. These are the um, these are people who are rejecting one of the most vicious governments in the world. And yes, everyone is saying like we need to rush to condemn Hamas and all that. And I agree that this attack is horrifying to see, which precipitated all of this. But no one is remembering the Great March of Return in 2018 when Palestinians peacefully marched to the border wall of Gaza and Israeli snipers perched themselves on the wall and shot people in the kneecaps to cripple them for life. So peace is not an option for them either. Yeah, I think that that's extremely well put. Um, okay, uh, number five, best sex position. Damn. Um. Hmm. Well, I'm a hog. I like. Oh, I'm not gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Did you skip that one as well? You say maybe it was hoggy style. You prefer hoggy. I was style? gonna say hoggy style. Yeah, I thought that's that my maybe wild. where you were going. I'll finish that for you. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Um, where you're like laying down on the bed, and then uh, the dude just like fucks your face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think the yeah. Okay. Um, thoughts on big pills? Our sponsor. Um. Our well, sponsor. Yeah, I have a lot of buzz actually. For a bit there, big pills ruined my life. Really? Um, my, my girlfriend's boyfriend found out about yep. big pills because. Advertising's been crazy for big pills lately. Yeah. And uh, he used to come over, we used to hang out. 
And then, you know, you got big pills. He started coming over all aggro. Yeah. Went from being a good friend to just, you know, yeah, just aggro. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm anti-big pill. Okay, I'm so I do, I will, I do want uh, to let the listeners know that uh, these do not reflect the attitudes of our league in general. Just because we have someone against big pills does not mean that we are all against big pills. As a matter of fact, I would say that the majority is against Craig, and I think that you should take into consideration the fact that he had no comment on the Israel-Palestine situation when you consider his thoughts on big pills as well. Um, I mean, what can't be said? Right. about big pills of course um you know inspiring uh revolutionary yeah uh colossal uh-huh big really, i mean the 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 list big the, the list mm-hmm. of adjectives really is mm-hmm. endless and oh, yeah. whatever you need it to do it will do it well yep it will help you yep to do what you need to do yep Yep, that uh, your favorite weekend activity. Uh, you could be uh, number five, the best sex position. It could probably help the Israel-Palestine situation if we're being completely honest. Completely, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so do you have any final remarks for us here? Um, no, 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 no final thoughts. All right. Well, no message to the lead. Nothing. Do your your points speak for themselves? Um. Well, you know, I've been talking more shit, but just lost week seven. About, I think, a majority of the league is four and three. Yeah. Three and four. Yeah. So it's going to be a tight one. It's tight, um, but I will say I think you're in a pretty good spot as far as, uh, like, points stored goes. Like, your weekly projections are kind of insane. Yeah. 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 But, uh, so. all right. Good deal. Well, hey, thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks. All right. Take it easy. Talk man. to you later. It it appear it would appear that Charles and I are um, going to be the first people to get mathematically locked in to the playoffs. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the rest in the the people in the middle. It seems like a bit of a toss up still right now. Yeah, it's a slugfest. So fest. my final thoughts are, you know, those of you who are in the middle, the plebeians, mm. get your shit together with the. <laughs> The clock is ticking. Fair enough. Okay. Thank you, Eric. Have a good one. You too. Well, uh, <laughs> as you can see, listen, Craig, man of few words. He's a man of solid principles, okay? He says, you know what? I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not prepared for it. You know what? No, I'm not going to let you get me this gotcha moment, stuff like that. Eric, on the other end, open book. He's going to tell you everything in his arsenal. I appreciate you guys. Hey, man, these guys have just been killing it the last few weeks, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, matchups this week. Listen, it's Tim week. I'm looking ahead to Tim. Hopefully, uh, all this shit I've been talking about, his draft strategy, taking a quarterback in a one-quarterback lead with the fifth overall pick, does not come back to bite me in the ass. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. See you later. Jazz will take you to life and it'll take you to death. And the jazz is the jazz. Come back to me, Martha. I miss you. How?